Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I am your host, Kay Fresh. This is episode number 23. Yes, the 23rd episode. Today is March 22nd. And uh, we got another cool show. I mean, all, all the shows are kind of cool. But we got a pretty good show for you today. Um, I've had some cool stuff going on the past week. We're still like on the road to WrestleMania. WrestleMania goes down in Dallas on April the 3rd. And you get the main events, Shane McMahon versus Undertaker, Triple H versus Roman Reigns. You know, that's cool, whatever. I'm not sure what to make of WrestleMania this year. I guess we'll just find out when it happens. But I'm more I'm more concerned about the NXT TakeOver Dallas that happens on April 1st. That card is stacked. And what I'm most, 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 most excited for is the, the debut of Shinsuke Nakamura. One of my favorite wrestlers on the entire planet. Coming to the WWE, starting out in NXT. It's going to be amazing. I already know. He goes against uh, Sami Zayn, which another incredible competitor. So And the whole the whole card is stacked. And uh, I think I'm going to do a whole like sort of WrestleMania wrestling like podcast episode coming up before WrestleMania. And and there's another thing. I've I've kind of hit the got the got bitten by the MMA bug recently. So I think I'm going to just do a whole episode that has to do with wrestling and MMA and con, you know combat sports in general. Uh because it's going to be it's going to be a bit of a learning curve too because I haven't really I haven't been paying attention to all this shit enough, you know, outside of wrestling. So 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 we'll definitely, you know, I'm going to do a whole episode where it just basically, I have some people, someone that I want to invite on the show so we can, who really knows more about that. So we can just kind of shoot the shit about that. So maybe in the next, you know, week or two before WrestleMania, well, I want to have this episode posted, you know, and just, you can kind of see me sort of learning about, you know, the MMA world a little bit more. So that that's cool. I, uh, I experienced something really amazing this weekend. Um, I went to the show the show on Sunday, the Royal Oak Music Theater in Royal Oak. Uh, um, pop artist Melanie Martinez. Uh, apparently, she was on The Voice uh, a few years ago, and uh, I had just uh, I never heard her heard her music before, but uh, I I'd gotten a press release for the band that's opening up for her on tour, the Alvarez Kings, and I ended up doing a phoner with Simon Thompson, the. Uh, lead singer of the Alvarez Kings and really cool lad they're a British like pop you know um Brit pop band and they were they were really they were really good when I saw them uh the other night but uh through that I you know I checked out Melanie's music and her album Cry Baby is incredible I would put it in that in a short in that short group of that small group of, maybe with like Grimes, where it's like pop music, but it's edgy and not so overproduced. But really, you really, it's really deep, really says a lot. Her Melanie Martinez's music has a lot of sort of childish metaphors that really talk about serious shit. And when I say serious shit, she like really, it's funny, it's like pop music, but she's like swearing all over the album, and it's really. 
incredible. So I go to the show on Sunday, and uh, I had a little time to kill before because I'm um, getting off of work, and I had about two hours between the time I got off of work and time the doors open. So I go to Royal Oak, and I just see a ton of people waiting in line, and 90% of them had to be teenage girls. And I don't mean teenage girls who are just about to be adults. I mean real teenage girls who are still children. And I'm like, holy shit, what did I get myself into? So I went to the bar uh, next door, and uh, which I, I pretty much frequent, um, went to Diamato's. And I just sat at the bar, and in and out came, became, there was like mothers coming in there to grab a drink while their, their kids stayed in line or to grab a, a cup of coffee or, you know, tea. So cause it, was a little, it was still a little cold outside. But all of them, like, I just ended up bonding with. I was, like, just shooting the shit with all of them as they come in. And something that I really, really noticed at that point was of all those, of all those kids outside, mo- a lot of them, this is probably their first concert ever. And anytime I get to hear about somebody's first concert, it, it, it just puts a smile on my face because that is such a special time, I think, in anyone's life, that first concert. You know, and to be so excited for it, you know. And after after seeing the show that Melanie Martinez put on, I can definitely say that any kid any kid there, especially if it was their first concert, was lucky and lucky to see a, such an amazing show as as that. You know, so I, I feel I feel excited for those kids that they actually got to see such a awesome fucking show, man. It was it was fantastic, you know. So, like Melanie Martinez's whole, you know, current tour is, is sold out, and so if you if you're lucky enough to actually see her live, cool. And like, uh, but also just check out her album Cry Baby. It's incredible, man. Like I, I, I just got around to uh, you know, checking it out. But if I did see it, like if I did actually listen to it, like last year, man, like. In retrospect, I put it top five of my favorite albums from 2015. So, um, yeah, it was just a, it was just an awesome fucking show, man. Um, so um, let's get to the interview portion of the podcast. Uh, this week, I have Michael Orlando. He's the frontman and founder of the band Vampires Everywhere. You know, they're kind of on a industrial hard rock vibe, you know. You know, kind of, kind of like early Nine Inch Nails. You know, he says it in the interview that he, you know, is really influenced by, by Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. Um, they have a new album that just came out uh, this past Friday called Ritual, and uh, it's it's really it's, it's pretty 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 good. Um, so you know, I got to speak with him recently. We we chat the shit about uh about the band, the new album. They did take a break for a little while. Um. Just due to you know a lot of bullshit in the you know industry, so uh, let's get to the interview with uh, Michael Orlando from Vampires Everywhere. How's things been going these days? Uh, pretty good actually. Uh, lots of fun stuff happening, so uh, <laughs> I like that. Great. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, I think it's gotten warm there again, right? Oh man, it just got really warm today. I think we're, I think we have to be in the 80s now. Oh boy, I longed for that. We're here in Detroit and it's still cold. And 
Are you in Detroit? Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. Rough. Yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty pretty mild winter, but it's it's gotten to be where it's just regularly cold now, and I'm just I'm I'm over it already. Yeah, <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah, too much of anything's no good. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, man, thanks to thanks for taking the time out to uh, do this uh, interview for my podcast. Uh, I uh, definitely got to listen to the new album Ritual. It sounds really good. I appreciate that, man. I really do appreciate that. Kind of um, like, what was kind of like your mood going into this album? I know is is a bit of a thing where you're resurrecting this project. Um, as vampires everywhere, uh, you kind of went away from from it from a little while and headed under another name. What was sort of the your the mood of yourself and everybody involved when you went into uh, kind of resurrecting it again? <laughs> um. At the point in time, I mean, my, my mood was 100% excited. Um, you know, of course, we were hit with a lot of skepticism. You know, why do you want to bring it back? What's the reason? And um, after a two-year hiatus, I just I just felt it, man. It's just one of those things where you're, you know, you it's your baby. You built it up for so long that, uh, you know, things went wrong because of certain circumstances, and you wanted to make them right. And um, that that's the main reason behind it is it's just the love of bringing it back. Like, talk about, you know, kind of uh, making those, you know, those circumstances that went wrong, you know, making them right. How did you go about that? I mean, there's there's there was a lot of uh, push and pull back then. Um, you know, we were we were under a label moniker and, uh, you know, we had a lot of a lot of different people pushing us uh, up and down to what we should be doing with the band uh, anywhere from musical sound to imagery. Um, I really didn't have much say a lot of times on trying to win people over of my ideas. Um, I wanted to do something where, you know, my ideas would come out, my musical taste would come out. Uh, you get a real vision of what I'm seeing rather than what uh, five or six other people are seeing. And the more, more or less, that, that was it. You know, there's a lot of different people, even in your life, even if you're, I don't know, man, a veterinarian that'll tell you certain ways to do surgeries. Um, we're no different. Um, so we're, we're actually, oh, we, but me, I'm actually free now out of the deal. and I have, uh, all this room to be creative. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Right. Yeah. During that, uh, kind of looking back during that, that first phase of, uh, vampires everywhere between 2009 and 2012, when you're kind of, you know, talking about that sort of, you know, pushback that you're always getting create creatively, creatively, uh, like how, when you look back, you know, you had some, you know, band members come and go. How do you kind of feel about that, you know, that time of your life with uh, that first iteration of the band? I was in a total confusion, if that's even a way to put it. It was just a, it was just a giant blur to me. Um, I put the band together, and within six months, we had a, a record deal. Uh, and then three months after that, we were on a 5,000-person uh, cap tour. Um, it was just basically all the blur. Uh, we didn't get a chance to, uh, kind of organically build as a band. We didn't get a chance to figure out what sound we wanted to create. Um, other than that first DP that we made uh, before we signed. So, uh, generally speaking, I would just say it it was too fast, too soon. And, uh, the team behind it had no idea what to do with us. Uh, we signed to a predominantly, uh, metal label and we were basically the first signing that had any kind of, uh, melody in the vein of what we were doing and uh, i think they were excited about it but not sure how to break it 
Definitely. Yeah, when you're kind of, uh, you know, when you're kind of looking back at that time, like, how do how do you kind of deal with, you know, sort of all that confusion, all just everything kind of blurring together, not really feeling comfortable about where you're at at that point? Oh, I'm sorry. Repeat that one more time. I got lost in that. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, during that time, how do you kind of deal with sort of all that pressure coming from different people, like sort of that time period just kind of blurring by? How do you kind of get through all that time? In all honesty, um, I mean, I have a, a bad case of OCD when it comes to uh, certain things, and uh, I've, I've harbored all of it. Um, I use it in my music. Uh more or less. The only way I get through my anger and depression issues is honestly not being contrived is through music. And, and I don't do it directly. Um, it just indirectly comes out. So, I mean, I guess that's my outlet um, at this point, um, just to not think about it. Um, I try to, I've rid that circle of people, that label, um, this incestuous uh, Hollywood group, I got rid of all of them. Um, including friends. Uh, I, I needed just to cleanse my life and get good people around me, successful people around me, people that want something more than just taking something from someone. So I think I've, I've almost accomplished that. Yeah, kind of being thrown into, into the thrust of, like, rock and roll lifestyle like that so quick. Like, how hard is it to kind of, you know, sort of trust people that kind of come into the fold at that time? I mean, I don't know how much time you spent here in Los Angeles, but uh, this is a very special place when it comes to trust. Um, any anything from from the women that inhabit here to the music industry people, it's it's all the same. You've got to watch your back at all times. Um, usually, it's the people that have already been successful that have a great track record that aren't looking to screw you. Um, it's it's these hungry people, uh, and it's uh, it's very hard to trust here. Um, again, that's, that's another reason why I try to surround myself with people that don't want or need from me that just want to be my friend or just want to get involved with me business wise. So to succeed at the same time, it's very hard to judge. Very, very hard. After all of that, you transitioned the vampires everywhere band to the killing lights. What was the point of doing that? That's a great question. Um, you know, this is, it comes under a lot of scrutiny, but that, that was a whole different band. Um, it wasn't described like that uh, due to poor label decisions. Um, at the time, I was still on, on uh, the label I was on, and uh, they advised me to just, you know, change the name, something else, and do a different band, and they would do all this stuff for me, help me out, make me into something great. And at that point in time, I was having so many member issues and I was having so many musical differences, even with my best friends in the band, that I decided this might be a good route for me. Uh, it cleanses everything, and maybe I'll give this a break uh, in the meantime. But it ended up just being uh, a, a total confusion ball um, from our fans to, you know, to everybody involved in the industry. You just called it a, a name change, and it looked more like a cop-out than trying to do something different musically. So all in all, the Killing Lights, I look at as a blurb. Uh, if, if you will, in my timeline, uh, it taught me a lot of things, but it didn't really do anything for me. How did your fans kind of react to that? They were all confused. Um, <laughs> if, if you know me, um, you'll know that I have a very dark thing about me. It's not something that I try for. It's just something that is. So 
when I try to make a little light come out of that dark, everyone's like, um, we don't get it. Uh, and, and that's true. I mean, I, dude, I didn't get it. I, I just did it. And uh, I know a lot of friends in the music industry that have done things like that, um, side projects or broken bands or done something because they, they feel they need a musical outlet that's different than the one they've already got. Um, it's always a hard sell. If you, if you look at how many bands actually are successful after leaving their main band, it's very few. Definitely. What's, the, what's your label situation like uh, for this new album, Ritual? Very excited that we have none. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of dealing, I'm dealing with it myself this time. Um, I got a good management team behind me, good booking agents. Um, I got a great team ready to push it, and I got a great uh, PR agent. So, I mean, I have everything that you would need to push the record uh, and make it something that it is going to be. But I didn't think it was time after just getting out of a deal to sign to anything um, that wasn't to what I exactly needed. So uh, I'm learning in my older age to wait, and patience is not one of my virtues, so I'm <laughs> doing my best. Yeah, I think this in this day and age, as long as you can uh... – if you if if that's something you want to do, you can put the pieces together yourself. Get that booking agent, get that uh, PR person, get that manager, and it's going to be a little bit more, or probably much more work for you. But if you are the type of person who wants sort of total creative control, that's a way. That's a way to go these days, much more than ever. Yeah. And, and I mean, most people that have the label experience that maybe is not uh, Jimmy Iovine type of deal, anything below that um, is the same circumstance. You're still sitting in your house. You're still waiting for stuff to happen. And you're still actually doing a lot of your own work. I don't think people do understand that. Uh, these record deals aren't like they were in the, in the early 90s, you know, not, not when Geffen was involved. It's not one of those things anymore. And so – it, it comes down to, you know, what do you really want to achieve by signing to a record label? And I think that's the end all. Right. At that point when you were just like, okay, I'm going to do Vampires Everywhere again, fuck a label, screw all that, what was sort of the first thing that you did to kind of start putting the pieces together to kind of do it on your own? At, at that point in time, um, I guess everything happens for a reason. I had a couple of tragedies. Um, I, I, uh, my fiance and me broke up. Uh, it was a very bad breakup. Uh, she did me wrong. And my father died of leukemia. Oh, damn. Um, yeah. In the same week. Um, oh, that's terrible. Sorry about that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it was an eye opener. Um, and, and during that time, that's when I, you know, maybe a week or two before that is when I decided to bring the band back um, and start writing. And uh, during that time period, it's almost like clockwork that, you know, it just pushed, it propelled me into writing what this record is. And the lyrics just poured out. It wasn't a thinking process anymore. I just, I had too many lyrics. I had too many ideas. Um, I tried to keep it as metaphorically as, uh, you know, uh, metaphoric as possible. When I'm coming off like Eminem, you know, who just blurts out whatever he wants, which is my dream to do eventually. But I just, I kept it you know, metaphoric and uh, about my father and about uh, this breakup mostly. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, man. That was the first piece, uh, knowing what I wanted to write. And then it kind of just fell from there. And, uh, you know, again, I had a great uh, management team pushing me in the right direction creatively, and that was, that was key. 
with with sort of everything that's happened to you uh, in regards to the music industry and even personal, do you have a you know a certain amount of like trust issues going on these days? I have nothing but trust issues um, from from women to the music industry. It's uh, you know I. I'm Jerry Maguire, man. Uh, you can put me in a room. You can give me a little bit of whiskey, and I'll be your best friend. But will I trust you? I'm not sure. Uh, it takes me a long time to have – I mean, a guy friend takes me a very long time to achieve, and a, I don't trust women at this point. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's understandable. That's understandable. Uh, getting to, you know, kind of uh, taking a step back, you know, what sort of a kid were you growing up? I've always been rebellious. I've always been doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Um, always antsy. Always want something that I can't have or that was out of my pay grade uh, as a kid. But I, I mean, I, I've always been obnoxious, um, creative, but obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, I I was that one guy who you couldn't really pinpoint. I listened to Green Day, but then I also listened to like Cash Money Records roster. You know, so everyone just like, what, who, and what are you? <laughs> right. Um, you know what I mean? So that's kind of who I was. Yeah, I was like I was like the hip hop kid, but at the same time, uh I listened to a lot of other different shit, you know. Uh when I was like six years old, uh I was listening to like Jimi Hendrix, The Who and Def Leppard. But then like <laughs> years later I got into like West Coast gangster, you know, hip hop, like Dre and Easy and Snoop Dogg, you know, so People always knew me yeah. as, like, the hip-hop kid, but, like, I kind of, you know, went a little bit everywhere, so I could talk music, even as a young kid, you know, all the time with people. No, I mean, it's it's honestly uh, a great foundation, and my closest friends are the same way, and they're either in pop-punk bands or rock bands, and you'd be surprised how we only listen to hip-hop when we go out. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's true. Do you remember, like, what the first, like, you know, band or record or song that you ever loved? Oh, man, I, I fell in love with Phil Collins um, a long time ago in the studio. Yeah. Uh, I love that song. For some reason, now that I listen to it, it's very repetitive. And I still don't know what the hell he's talking about, but <laughs> it's, it's just one of those songs. Like, who is that? But it's, it's Phil Collins has had a thing about him. That made it cool, and and I and I transitioned to Genesis after that. So, oh yeah, definitely. When did you uh, first get the l sort of itch to start writing music and making music? I mean, I've had it since I was thirteen. Uh, I didn't really, um, you know, my mom bought me a guitar. I didn't know how to play it, so I just I don't know what the hell I was doing with it. So I, there was there was a long amount of years where you know kids dream of being an astronaut, but how many of them are going to go try to put on a suit? Um, sort of deal, and that was me until I was, I want to say, 18, and then uh, I picked up a bass guitar, and I started my string of bands, and, and as anyone knows, being in a band, the, the most important part of a band, unfortunately, people are going to hate me for this, is, is the singer, um, and if the singer's not happy, uh, the whole thing falls apart, and that had happened to me too many times, and forced me into the front person position, uh, where I could just use my you know, everything that I've learned to kind of keep the band going and push. And I knew I wasn't leaving. So that was self-assured, you know, <laughs> what was the, <laughs> when, when you made that decision to sort of 
put yourself out front. What was like, what was the first thing that you did? Oh man. Uh, the first, the first thing that I did was I, I tried to figure out what the fuck I was going to do in the front position. Um, you know, because at that point in time, I, I hadn't been singing at all. Um, I'd been screaming, um, backup screaming. <laughs> so, you know, post hardcore was really big back then. And that was my position bass and, and backup screaming. So I thought, you know what, I'll just make a harder project and see how it pans out. But I mean, that's one thing that I could thank my label for of X label. Sorry. Abe for is that, you know, they had tried to push me to sing. And, um, ever since then, you know, I've been busting my ass to be the best I can be at singing. So that's how, it, it was just one of those things. You get thrust in to the driver's seat and you must drive. Right. Looking back when you first started the Vampires Everywhere project, kind of, you know, what were you doing in life? You know, how did that sort of band happen from the start? Why did you create it? I, I had this. I had this love for heart. And the, the, the funny thing is, is I, I had a clothing company and uh, I was doing a lot of stuff with Warped Tour and uh, a lot of different people. And, and I kept looking at the singers and, uh, you know, in the scene there and what they were doing. And I was like, hmm, you know, I think I could do something a little bit different, a little bit more me. And I've had an obsession with uh, the movie The Lost Boys since I was 13 years old. So I, I just, I've just been like, you know, how can I incorporate this? And I, you know, literally took the name from the movie. I mean, people don't know that uh, I have to tell them, but um, I took the name from the comic book in the movie and started the band. And I felt if I can incorporate this type of creepy genre music with what's going on today, I think it would, it would do well and provide a good outlet for me. Uh, that's what was going in my head at the time. Um, you know, at, at the time though, you know, I didn't, I wasn't into twilight <laughs> you know, I wasn't in, you know, you know right. people think I'm crazy, but I, I, to be honest with you, I never even heard of it. So controversially at the same time, Twilight came out and so did our band and everyone's like, everyone's like, yeah, vampires <laughs> everywhere. You know, I'm like, oh no, that's not what I meant. Um, and to be, to be honest with you, it was, it's, it's still ongoing. Every now and then I'll get someone going, what the hell did you name the band that for? And I have to explain. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 a total like vampire nut, but I don't like stuff. I'm not I'm not much of a fan of the Twilight movies or True Blood or anything. But I like all the other like vampire shit, like animes that are around vampires. Or I love like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or even these days, I like Vampire Diaries and the originals. I like shit like that. So I'm like a total vampire <laughs> nut. Hey man, I, I'm with you on that man, and, and and that's my thing in life is anything that's and that's pretty and dangerous is usually my MO. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, so um, you're about to hit the road with uh, Filter and Orgy uh, real soon. Uh, how do you feel about hitting? Um, how about about that tour? About that tour. Oh man, um, I I was on a, a headliner probably about a month ago and. Um, our booking agent hit me up and goes, Hey, what do you think about a filter tour? And I made them stop everything. I pull over and everything. I'm like, what? Because for me, I referenced, Hey man, nice shot. Um, probably over a billion times throughout my vampires everywhere career, at least. <laughs> it's just one of those bands that are like, you know, they have these two fucking amazing, uh, amazing songs that kind of changed my life. And, uh, that was, I mean, I, I literally hit my booking agent back 14 different times. I'm like, yo, we got to do this. 
um, I would love for you this is this is a check mark off my list, you know, my bucket list. So, and, and and we got it, and I was like, ah, this is so cool because I didn't know Orgy was on it as well. We toured with them in the past, and it, it kind of reminded me of the Family Values tour a little bit, you know. I was, yeah. I was like, yeah, this this is gonna go over well. So I'm, I'm to wrap it up. I'm I'm beyond excited. <laughs> Definitely. <You know? laughs> Definitely. Okay. With uh, Filter sort of being influenced towards your music, you know, what other bands, artists were sort of like your influence on the music that you do now? Or big time Nine Inch Nails. Um, I love Nine Inch Nails. Um, it's not that I sit there and I listen to them every day. They're just one of those bands that have always kind of influenced me, and I, I've never got a chance to sit down and actually, you know, try to try to incorporate some of the things that they did in their in their music in mine. Uh, this was the first record. This had to do with getting rid of um, one of my uh, musicians that wrote everything. Um, he just had a very, a very tight grasp on uh, what he wanted to do and not what I wanted to do. So it, it allowed me getting rid of him to open up to the more industrial EDM side uh, of this band that's never been explored. Also, I got to sing, um, and I never had the chance to clean sing and. Um, rock thing on on a record for vampires. So this is the first on that. Everything else in the beginning, you know, the first record was auto-tuned because that's what was cool at the time. That's what I was pushed to do. And now I was able to not do that and do more me and more of a rough rough thing. So Nine Inch Nails, I mean, I have my Marilyn Manson period. I'm not going to put the man down. Um, we have our differences, uh, me and him, whether it's over girls or, or over the fact that he thinks he's done everything beforehand. Um, you know, there's this guy called Alice Cooper that, that maybe he should reference. But let's not go there. <laughs> and, you know, let's not go there. But uh, I, I, this record is Nine Inch Nails. And believe it or not, um, I have a, I love Kanye West. I love, I love Drake. I love all that kind of stuff. I want to incorporate some urban, urban vibes into it. I wanted to incorporate uh, you know, Sisters of Mercy, you know, uh, maybe an industrial band people never heard of that kind of started the whole thing. Um, there's a lot of references going through it. I mean, if you, if, when you listen to it, you know, uh, a lot of people are giving me Manson references. I just think that's all they know. But uh, Trent Reznor, big influence. No, I did I did sort of hear the uh, the Nine Inch Nails uh, influence to it because I've been listening to Nine Inch Nails since forever. So awesome. I definitely did hear that influence on the record. I appreciate that, man. I really do. Um, you know, again, if I were to go what I did on, on my last record and go, you know, no offense to the, to the term full retard, you know, um, you you would really get it. I wanted to do something where there's aspects of what I really love in music in this record, but it's all me. It's different, you know, and this is the first time I've actually ever done that. It's very scary. Very scary. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, on the um, on the record too, you do a really great cover of uh, "Take Me to Church." Kind of talk about doing that. Really excited about that. Um, I was in Salt Lake City doing vocal production for the record, and um, I tried to sell my managers on the idea of how cool would it be if we covered this Hosier song. And I know by the time it came out that it wouldn't be as popular. And I was like, "Yeah, that would be perfect." Um, and then I was in Salt Lake at the time, and that's where my homie um, Alex was from Chelsea Grin. And I was like, "Yo, you got to get on this." Cause he sounds like a demon uh, when he screams. I mean, like a literal one from hell and him on it with me is just something that fans wanted and something that would sound good together. So I'm stoked on it. Plus, to be honest with you, I've seen Hosier perform and uh, guys, amazing, really amazing. 
always thought him a little too uh, Christian churchy for me, but I listened to his lyrics and he's nothing of that sort. Um, he's very dark, he's very morbid, and he's very thought out. So the lyrics of that song were something that really drew me into. I always, lo- I always like to talk to people about how they sequence their album. And with the album, you do have Perfect Lie uh, starting off the album. Uh, why did you choose that record first? Well, I mean, in order of the, of the actual ritual coming out, that's, I think that's song three. Okay, all right. Um, no, it's fine. Yeah, the, order which, the order's been disorganized <laughs> since yesterday. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> so we're we're good. But uh, you are right on Perfect Lie coming out as a single. Um, we made a video for it just recently. Okay, all right. And yeah, and uh, we are going to go uh, to radio with that song. I, I just think that song kind of encompasses the entire record um, for me. It's it's uh it's it's not that hard. It's not that soft, and it has a very cool industrial vibe. That's what I wanted people to see. That here's the side of me you've never heard. And I think that's why I decided to go with that. Oh, and then how did you go about sort of sequencing, sequencing the album? How, what sort of you know, feeling did you want to take the you know, listener on? I think uh, tradi- I'm very traditional. Um, I wanted to start off the record hard. I've always done that. So I picked Black Betty, um, which is our harder track on the, on the album. And yeah. I was really excited about that. And <laughs> then I wanted to... Um, go to something like perfect lie you know we have an intro so that's why it turns into track three but more, more or less it's just like a roller coaster right when you listen to a record you don't want to hear the same song over and over um i think that's a big problem with pop music is that they find the formula and they stick with it and that's all you hear um diverse records are very few um i think that's one thing that nine inch nails i mean being a fan that they did great i mean every song was different yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely with like a lot of the pop records, they don't really sound like albums, just more like a collection of singles and songs just kind of put together. I mean, it, it's it's commercial America, man. I mean, m- most people aren't really thinking outside of their of their F one fifty. You know, they're when you when you're when you're in the car listening to something, you like something, um, you you want more of what you like, and um, they capitalize on giving you that. Um, you know, they're not going to change the formula for Pepsi, you know, so they're not going to do this. You know, they're not going to do the same from song one to song 12 with like a five seconds of summer record. So can't blame them. Definitely. OK, now that, you know, you have Ritual about to come out, uh, what's your plans after this record comes out? What do you want to do next creatively? Cre- creativity. Uh, excuse me. I can't even talk. Creatively. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a hard word. I, I always I can't pronounce anything for right. As well, <laughs> my accident, dude. But yeah, it's like, um, in all honesty, man, I don't. I want to be on the road um, full time. Yeah. I mean, we, that's our goal right now, is to make everything uh, full time. Vampires everywhere, from from road touring to uh, consistent music videos to amazing pictures. Everything that has to do with this band right now, we want to kind of just symbolize what art should be in this form, and that's kind of what I'm focusing on. I've never got the chance to, so we're trying to put out quality everything. I mean, if that's the way to put it. Right. And when it's all said and done, like, what do you hope in the future when people are looking back, when your fans are looking back at Vampires Everywhere, you know, what do you kind of want the legacy of this band to be? Huh. Um, 
That's a, that's a really good question. I think, I think from a fan standpoint, you know, what I get a lot of is thank you for being there when nobody else was, um, you know, we, we kind of get, we kind of get that whole, um, misfits type of, we needed somebody to explain to us what we were thinking. And, um, I think that's kind of where we are now. And I think that's where we'll be then, you know, I, I would, I would hate to be a band that was like another 10 bands and you had to decide. Um, I think that's main thing that's so hard for this band is that, you know, we have to win people over because we are so different. And I hope people can look back and say, wow, that band really, really changed the way I, I view that style of music. So hopefully that's what they say. Definitely. Well, uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to uh, do this interview for my podcast. It's been a, been a joy to talk with you, man. Oh, man, same. I, I really enjoyed your questioning, and uh, I hope we can do it again. Oh, definitely, man. You have a good day. You too, brother. All right, peace. Well, that was my interview with Michael Orlando from Vampires Everywhere. Uh, go check out the new album, Ritual. It's out now. It's pretty good. Got a lot of cool shit on there. If you'd like to uh, support the Fresh is the Word podcast, you can go to our website, which is freshisthepodcast.com, and there's a link at the top that says support the podcast. And on that page, there is a PayPal link that you can donate to, or there is a Amazon link on there that you can use anytime that you want to purchase anything on Amazon. Use that link, and after you make your purchases, Amazon will shoot some commission back to me. I'll just go to help the show. Also, I definitely appreciate all the listens, and if you definitely want to share the links to the website, freshisthepodcast.com, or any of the links on SoundCloud, that's definitely appreciated and will definitely help support the podcast. You can also reach Fresh is the Word on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word number 1. And on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast and give us a like on that page. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, so go ahead and search Fresh is the Word on there. and Go ahead and subscribe to us. And it also would be very helpful if you go onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating and throw some comments on there. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.